you, you know, if you sit under my teaching, usually when I get up and preach, it's been like months of drilling down on the, you know, the themes in the word and how it threads through the whole, um, you know, from Genesis all the way through, because that's just how I'm wired. I like to unpack it in that way a lot of the time. This is not that message. So <laughs> this came, is, it really, I feel like it's come out of a place of the, you know, the prophetic. So it's absolutely, I feel, a prophetic encouragement today. So there'll still be scriptures in there, so we get the tick of approval. Um, but I just wanted to bring it as a prophetic encouragement to us about what God is saying um, and it's pretty exciting. Um, so early December, well, so my dad's 70th birthday on the 30th of November. So we went, um, to, flew to New South Wales. Um, so it was early December. I was sitting just having some time with the Lord. Um, m- miraculously, someone had, mum and dad had our kids. So, you know, Daryl and I were like, wow, it's so quiet. You know, this quiet time with the Lord and I was just asking him. So this is on the Central Coast and I'd say that because it'll um, be important down the track in this, what I'm about to bring. So sitting there in this Airbnb and I just asked the Lord, I just leant into 2023 and I just said, God, just what am I looking for? What am I like, you know, what are you saying for 2023, 4, 23. And I just kept saying, you know, like asking the question. And then I'm in reading John 4. So I'm just like literally just, you know, in reading about the woman at the well. Um, and then I hear God say back 4.23. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I asked you, 4.23. He goes, no, 4.23. I'm like, oh, okay. So I look down and I'm actually at John 4.23. So I hadn't put the two to two together. So, you know, those moments where it's like you're in the word and it's like, you can't make this up. You know, this is the Lord just really speaking about this. Um, And so John 4, 23 is, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshippers. That hour is absolutely now. And so, you know, when I was looking in, when you drill down into some of the words, like, and I know this really is what it says on the tin, true, the opposite of fictitious, imaginary, pretend or uncertain, it means real, true, genuine, sincere. So true worshippers are just like that genuine, sincere worship. Where's my rock? What about communion? That'll hold it there. Um, and then worshippers are not, you know, it's not the singing of the songs. It's the pure adoration, this constant, um, you know, bubbling up out of, um, sorry, I don't know whether it's that one or this one. It's okay. Yeah, but then we'll probably be too hot. It's all good. I don't want to boil you out there. Um, so worshippers with, with that, like, true adoration of who he is. And then when you look at the word worship, with, which is poskaneo, which is bowed down, prostrate, prostrate, <laughs> reverence. Do you know, I even said to myself, make sure you don't say prostate. That's a, something so what Christina would do. <laughs> and I did it, I did it. Reverence and to express respect and awe in the context of worship. The Lord forgive thee. Um, <laughs> And truth, 
which is obviously, it's free from deceit, falsehood or pretense, what is true, certain and right. So when you break down this scripture of like John 4, 23, this is what he's saying, like that true, genuine um, adoration of who he is. And so he's looking for these true worshipers in this season. So we're talking about the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David is not what we do on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. And I know we know this, but it's a good reminder of like the worship that comes out of our lives on a consistent basis. And so that worship is like literally bubbles up from within. It's not something external. It comes from that internal place of love or reverence um, and an acknowledgement of what he's already done. So it's not a participation based on what you're going to do because that, you know, we often will go into that place of worship with agenda, but what it looks like to actually go in and go, he is my reward. He is the fullness of everything I'm looking for and anything else from that place of worship is absolutely a bonus. And that's the type of worship that is the Holy Spirit in this season. God says that he's seeking these worshippers, seeking out our hearts to be so engaged in that way. And so, you know, it's also worship because you're worshipping who he truly is. Not an idea of who he is, but it's birth, not birthed out of feelings. Sometimes we have this perception that, that worship's birthed out of how I feel and it gets conjured up from, from within. And the reality is that when you engage truth, that lights up from the inside out and the expression and the feelings follow, not the other way around. And so, you know, I've heard, you know, I've been in ministry for, oh gosh, 23 years now, showing my age. Um, And, you know, I have heard a lot along the way of, like, I don't feel like worshipping or God is distant. And um, when you engage genuine truth about God and the reality of him in our world, um, you cannot help but worship. So I want to say this. If that doesn't come because you don't feel like it, then I challenge for you to go, what lies am I believing about you? Because the reality is... That's not truth if your feelings don't want to participate in worshipping him. And so if you need, you know, if you find yourself in that place, it's like, God, you need to show me the lies I'm believing because truth will set you free and truth will pull you in to that beautiful place of worship where whether you feel like it or not, the feelings will come because you know what's true. So these are the worshippers he's seeking in this um, season in spirit and in truth. And he also spoke to me, which Todd mentioned this morning, he spoke to me, this was probably a month after this time on the Central Coast, he also made mention to me of just the importance of thankfulness, that that thankfulness was actually an unlocking thing for outpouring within our own hearts and our own lives and an expectation. Because if you stay in a place of thankfulness, if you're able to thank him daily for the things that he's already done for you, then it actually keeps a free space for the, for the Lord to keep pull, pouring in more and more. And it's also a thankfulness for what you know he's going to do. And those things keep our heart in that place of purity, purity and um, keeps us from, you know, getting bitter and small and grumbling and all of those things that, you know, kept the... Um, 
the Israelites out of the promised land because that place of thankfulness is actually what, you know, allows for the outpouring within our own lives. So, so he speaks to me about, you know, the worshipping of spirit and truth. And he's talking, obviously, he's talking about you and I and pulling and seeking um, to engage with our hearts in that way. But the emphasis on this scripture was the Father seeks to be his worshippers. So in this season, when it talks about seek, it's searching, demanding, looking, desiring, and seeking after our heart. That's the intent that the Father is going after his worshippers in this season, which is his, his pursuit of your heart right now is the most intense that I've ever felt in my life. Um, the veil is so thin for those that want to uh, go into that place. And so he spoke to me about seeking us who are already in the kingdom, but there was an emphasis on those in this season that don't yet know him. And that was like, I was, uh, you know, in the last couple of months, there's been so many times where I've just been so undone by what he's saying. So this is what he's looking for and he's seeking out right now is a generation of people that don't yet know him that are going to be the ones that come in, the spirit and in truth, um, seeking him out. And he said, um, well, before I get to that, um, so, so again, so he speaks to me this on the central coast and I'm undone just going, wow, God, I can feel that, that you are just in pursuit of these ones that will worship in spirit and in truth. Um, and then he takes me to John 4, 35, and it says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, that they are white for harvest. And that invitation for all of us to start to lift up our eyes to him right now, because he wants to reveal the greatest harvest that we have ever seen. And I don't, you know me, I'm not into like, like, just let's G up everybody so we, like, this is a prophetic word and you need to hear it as a prophetic word. This is not a G up for those to, come on, let's go. Um, this, you have to hear as the invitation of what God is wanting to do in this hour. And so it's going to be extraordinary if we look up, he will be able to show us the harvest and what's out there. So take you back now, I'm sitting this Airbnb and it's on the central coast, which is where I grew up um, and where I had this previous encounter. So back in 2009, it was the end of 2019, beginning of, well, most of 2010 actually. Um, so we're talking 13 years in the making, what I'm about to share. Um, it was a season where I was like a magnet for dragonflies. I'm talking everywhere I went, they would manifest. So I'd be talking to someone at a cafe and then, you know, I had dragonflies that were flying to cafes. I had, like you name it, everywhere I went was just dragonfly, dragonfly, dragonfly. Um, to the point where um, I had, was given, we kept getting people giving me them, like as in on, in jewellery and shirts and like not knowing any of the testimony. And you know, Adrian who comes in the morning, they wrote that book, Hidden in Plain Sight. Um, once it became like, this is now abnormal. Like 
I then was started to go, God, what are you saying in this? This is, you know, obviously is far bigger um, than just me seeing in the natural these dragonflies. Um, and he spoke so clearly and said that these dragonflies represent new life in him. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. God, you're talking about new life in him. You're talking about salvations. And then he said, for every dragonfly that you see, you are going to see hundreds, hundreds come into the kingdom. That you're going to see these salvations in your lifetime of all these people coming into the kingdom. And as a confirmation, she happens to be here today. Um, Hi, Angie. (laughs) Um, As a confirmation... So God had spoken to me that, and then Angie, and I said, oh, but I said, oh, these dragonflies have been profound, and she said, I think the Lord's talking about it being salvations, and I was like, okay, he's really saying that these dragonflies represent salvation. I even had, remember that one that raised from the dead? Literally, we had a dead dragonfly that we spoke life over. And I blew on it and it came back to life and took off. Resurrection power. So there's always been this theme of, um, of dragonflies. And then even last year, I was given a very profound piece of artwork and it was a dragonfly again. And I was like, I felt the stirring. It was like, wow, God, dragonflies are back on. What's going on? Um, so lots of confirmation. And, you know, back then, 2010, it's like, when, when, what is that going to look like? And I've seen many salvations um, in, <laughs> you know, already in my lifetime, um, but I knew that he was saying far more than that. And then what happened, so th- this was the time when I was just finished up with Youth for Christ. I'd been working with them for 10 years, um, and pretty much we would pray ne- nearly daily, um, praying for the young people to come to know um, God and so there was such a desire and such a partnership with the Holy Spirit to see His kingdom come, especially through young people. And so, I our um, post box was just at a club down the road um, on the outside of the building, and so the building was um, on the back wall was the post box. Then there was a glass door that you had to go through to get in there. Um, and then the other two sides had no walls. So it was, you know, so it was just partly covered. It was like, um, yeah, so you can picture that. Um, so it wasn't enclosed, but it had one, like it had the roof over the top of it. So anyway, I walked through these glass doors um, and I'm not even exaggerating. I go in through those doors and sitting on the top of the roof were hundreds of dragonflies. So much so that I literally walked through those doors and I fell to my feet, fell to my knees and (laughs) fell to my knees and buckled under the weight of the glory that was underneath that. It was like a canopy, canopy of glory with all these dragonflies. Now, I don't know where they come from. Like, I'm talking this is Mingara Club up on the Central Coast. I'm like, where did these dragonflies come from? And now I'm like bursting into tears, kneeling down outside my post box, 
um, crying with tears of joy and awe and excitement about what God was saying. Because now it's like that is a manifestation in the natural of how much he wants to proclaim to us that this is my heart's desire to seek true worshippers, to seek out those that don't yet know him. We know him, but there's people in this, you know, across this state and across this nation that don't have any understanding of him. And so um, I remember being so overwhelmed at the significance, obviously, of these dragonflies. And here I was back in New South Wales in December, and the Lord again speaks to me about these dragonflies. And he says about this season of the dragonflies. And I remember just going, wow, okay, we're about to come into something so significant that you're talking again about the dragonflies, that you're saying, John 4, 23, you are seeking those worshippers. And now I bring you to, into what you guys would, ex, would have experienced, that a week after I get back, South Australia is absolutely swarming. Swarming with dragonflies. So this isn't a word for me. This is a word for us in this state. I came back and they were everywhere as a sign of him saying the salvation, the time was now for the worshippers to come into the kingdom, that I'm going to pour out like I've never poured out to see them come into the kingdom. And so when I literally was seeing them, we're back onto a reserve, so I'm talking our house swarmed with them. They were everywhere, and I know that that was across the state. It wasn't just common to our backyard. But even, the, you know, since December, we've had them in the backyard every day, um, every day since. And even as I was prepping this message, they were there manifesting in the natural as confirmation again of just what he's saying about this word. And when I started to research why, God, why are they swarming? What, what, what has happened? I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. What has happened? And so when I started to research, all of the articles were saying that it's the perfect conditions. And so perfect conditions for dragonflies, for mating and prospering because the flooding because there was abundance of water, everything that they needed, good temperatures and the great food supply. And do you know that the dragonfly's life cycle is aquatic? And so there's like this, this prophetic, even in the life cycle of, of the dragonfly in, in itself, is that they require and need water to be able to be born into the fullness of who they are. And that the Lord was saying that this, um, the significance of us right now in this season having the perfect conditions. Perfect conditions for an incredible harvest of salvations. And the living water is being poured out for the people to drink from. They're ready for new life. Us 
new life for us, but also new life for them. Because their hearts are so hungry and searching. They, where do I say they, the, the, those that don't yet know him, um, it's a parched and dry, weary land out there right now. And so they've been enduring. They've been under hardship. They've been under pressure. They've been under unknowns and all the fears that have been placed upon them. We actually have a purple, per, a perfect set of conditions for them to be looking for an encounter with real truth. Spirit of, spirit and in truth. They're looking for truth. And so the, 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 the conditions for looking for living water they're parched and they're looking for this living water like the dragonflies need an aquatic to be able to come into the fullness of what they were created for. So when the woman at the well drank the living waters, it says that she was satisfied. So she leaves that well without her watering jug. She leaves her watering pot there because her inner world is suddenly completely satisfied with him that she has been located by Jesus and this, this man that knew who I was and was able to call me to, you know, partake and to drink of the living water. She was renewed and completely transformed. And we know the story then goes on that she then goes into her city and she becomes this credible witness within her city. And it says in John 4, 29 to 30, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. And then I'll jump down to 439 to 42. From that city, many of these Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there to their two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the saviour of the world. One woman met with the living water and transformed a city. One. How many have we got in here? She encounters him and it sets off this wildfire in this city. And do you know, um, we haven't been good at tracking that woman, but in Eastern Orthodox churches, she's known as Fatini or Poetina. Um, and that means the luminous one. So they've passed down in the Eastern Orthodox churches, they've actually passed down the, the history of the woman at the well. And so they've, they've kept that, um, which is super interesting to go and read, but I'm going to summarise it as this. So she gets saved, her city gets transformed, and then they say then that the, she ends up getting baptised by the disciples and they were the ones that gave her the name Fatini, which means luminous one. And from there, she continues to preach the gospel in town after town, converting all these people. And then she gets called to Rome, and her calling is to go and confront Emperor Nero, that evil, evil emperor 
And, and it says within her story that she led his sister to Christ. Now, I don't like the end of the story because then she's imprisoned and martyred, but there's something of the substance of that woman at the well who actually encountered the living water and then transformed cities, transformed people's lives because she took that living water, gave people the drink that they needed and that they all came into the kingdom. And it's the same today. It's not just for 2,000 years ago. It's now, you know, the, the invitation is the same today, that God is wanting right now to, um, for us to drink of that living water that transforms and setting up and establishing, you know, the tabern- tabernacle of David here, but also within our own personal lives, that we become a drink offering for all those that we encounter. And that's the key also to our own transformation, continuing to drink that living water. It's not a one-time event where you drink in the living water in the sense of like, oh, that's who you are, and now I continue in my own ways. It's actually like continue to drink it. There's so much of the depth of what he wants to um, reveal about who he is to you. I also want to add another part um, yeah, that correlates another testimony, another prophetic word that um, that runs into this as well. So in s- about September, I can't remember exactly the time frame on this one, um, but there's a small group of us that have been gathering to, together um, to pray specifically into government. Um, and so in this particular um, time that we got together, I really felt that God was like saying to pray for the young people in that context of government. Um, but in particular, my prayers were, God, we need a specific strategy for reaching young people who have been absolutely indoctrinated with the ways of socialism and this, um, you know, the climate change and the all things godless. And so I was like, God, we need an idea and a strategy to reach them. Um, and so as I closed my eyes and when I was praying, I just kept seeing these cycles, like the arrows going round and round um, and it was representing like generations. So I was seeing generation and then stop, generation, then stop. Um, and I felt like the Lord was saying, he was revealing that um, some of what's happened over the generations is, a, you know, the, um, who's the one before the boomers? Who's, who's the builders? The builders, then the boomers. But, you know, the, the, that generation and then the boomers came and then X and then Y and then, you know, Z and <laughs> um, that we have a tendency to get to, to one generation and then reject the ideas of the previous generation. Oh, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do this. Um, that's terrible. Um, you know, so that, like, it cycles around so much that the gen, not so much Gen X towards the boomers, but Gen uh, Y towards the boomers was okay, boomer, which was a sarcastic, you know, okay, boomer, you are clueless, you have no idea about about the world. Um, So he was showing me this cycle about the generations and and saying um, there has to be like a transformation of hearts of the fathers towards the sons and the sons towards the fathers, that there has to be something where he interjects into that um, 
constant cycle so that he can build something that's far bigger than just one generation. Um, so anyway, so I get that and, you know, so we see that within our culture a lot. And, you know, sometimes the rejection of ideas is probably a good thing, but a lot of the times it isn't good to be rejecting some of the ideas of the, the past generation. So I'm praying, um, praying, thinking, well, how do we teach them these new ideas? How do you, you know, come into that system so that they can um, no longer be captured by the left woke um, ideologies and all the rest of it and give them a real narrative to believe in? And as I'm like praying that and just asking God the questions, I kept hearing 1721, 1721. And I'm like, 1721? And he's like, and, but he was showing me as an age bracket. And so I was like, 1721. Okay, you're talking about an age bracket. And then I hear him say, Acts 1721. So then I turn there, and this isn't a scripture I knew. Um, now, all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So I'm asking about new ideas, and he then gives me this scripture as, okay, listen up. These are the solutions that are within these scriptures. And so then um, it brings the solution, which was um, 1722. Got that one there. Um, so Paul stood in the midst of the... Arapagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar from, with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. I won't go through all those scriptures, Marissa, I'll jump to 28. So basically, this I will proclaim to you is like the message of Jesus. But I'll start from here. For in him we live, we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said. For we, are, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Now, this was the significant part too. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, so we're going to see mockers, but others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed. So he was giving me the solution to my question, which was like, what new ideas? And he was saying, like, just like Paul, recognize the opportunity to preach a new message. Um, they were searching for radical new ideas. They were like listening and attuning their, their ears for the, the new thing, the new strategies. Um, and Paul recognized that. This is opportunity. And so, so God had answered my question in these, these scriptures, not knowing the scriptures in advance. And he said, um, this generation are worshipping and serving an unknown God. And when he meant unknown God, we sometimes think of carved images or whatever it might be. But what he was saying is their God is climate. Their God is socialism. 
Their God is all these woke agendas because they're taking the moral higher ground from their perspective and they have put that as their God. They've put those ideologies above him being, you know, put where he's supposed to be. So these, this generation particularly, that, that age bracket, 17, 21, but uh, when I say that generation, I mean the generation also living across the earth. So no one's excluded in this, but he was obviously he was honing in on the generation that I was asking a very specific question about. And so he was saying about that generation, they're radicals. We've seen it. They're radically, you know, lied to and they're radically following after unknown gods. But they are radicals. And when God is able to get a hold of the hearts of the radicals, what God was saying in this was that I am, they're ready to believe in something. And they believe they've picked up something to run with and stand for and be radicalized over. What does it look like for us to be like Paul to recognise in this season that they are looking for the word of the Lord to come into their world and break in and say the most radical message and idea you will ever know in your lifetime is Jesus Christ. That they are looking for this. They don't know it yet, but this is what they're searching out. And they're actually poised to be a generation that would be so radical for the things of the kingdom. Look out. So what the Lord is saying, that if we can get a hold of their hearts, and it's not through our own, like, working this up. And, you know, and I think there was almost a desperation in my prayer when I was praying it. Give us the strategies to reach them before the, you know, every single one of them indoctrinated. And he goes... No, just I am the strategy. I'm the radical one that comes with the new idea. If we position our hearts, we're drinking, you know, the tabernacle of David that we actually come and we've got the word of life, the living water for them to be so radicalized in this season that we are not going to know what hit us because they, they're going to far overtake many of us, us in this season because they're already radicalized to go, I'm standing for this cause and no one will sway me. Only they've got a cause that actually has no life to it. Imagine giving them the living water that is going to transform their lives. Like Fortini had the transformation. Imagine God getting a hold of just a few that transforms an entire uni. So... So the perfect conditions are absolutely upon us. So the season of the dragonflies and what that represent is not for the future. It's now. I totally, totally believe that even though it was 13 years ago that he spoke this um, word, that I feel like the manifestation, the swarming, the special conditions were now. And so... Um, the other thing that, like, so there's so many confirmations, so bear with me. I hope I don't lose any of you. But um, last week, I had um, people, two separate people sent me something that was, like, just, again, just a highlight of what God was doing. Um, I had someone send me the link to say, um, in Parliament, so on, in Parliament on Thursday, they had all, all these hand-picked year 10 to year 12 
um, high school kids going into parliament to actually, I haven't watched it yet, but I strongly encourage you if you can get into, I don't know, I think it's through the advertiser actually, they've got the link there. Um, But anyway, they were showing that live for you to view because they were getting up in parliament and actually sharing what they believed um, was the way that the South Australia should go. So there's going to be some good things out of there, but also we know that they are not being fathered well, so they're not going to come with the solutions of the kingdom. They're coming with ideas and ideologies um, that aren't going to shape well. And then on the same week, um, Marissa sent me the Global Shapers in South Australia as well, which is basically an offshoot of WEF. Um, And so you can imagine some of what um, come out of those Global Shapers. And now they're speaking into how they want to form um, how the state moves forward. And we've got generations before them, so the older generations going, give us the solutions because clearly this world's looking pretty terrible but that's not rooted in wisdom. It's not rooted in godly counsel at this point in time. But it got an excitement in my spirit of like, we need to, they need to be radicalized by Jesus so that the global shapers that come out of that generation are actually going to come with a godly counsel. So, um, so I put some of this in a text with some of the people I'm connected with in um, I won't, yeah, this goes public now, doesn't it? So within a party that we're working with, um, I put it in a chat. <laughs> yeah, I put it in, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, the Liberal Party. Um, <laughs> it's like everyone knows anyway, so there you go. Um, so anyway, so I put it in a chat with, you know, significant key players within that and just asked the question um, about what are we doing to capture the hearts and the minds of these young people? Um, in the context of government, but also in the context of like giving them something to believe in and stand for and actually start to run with. Um, and I think in this season, we're not necessarily looking for the answers to come from our current leaders. And I'm not talking about a political party right now. I'm talking about us believing that externally, all the solutions are going to come by someone else doing it. It's actually you have to see yourself as being a part of the solution for engaging these generations to be the radical ones for Jesus. And so I put it in this chat and a beautiful Catholic friend of mine, um, she's um, spirit-filled and she's feisty. I love her. Um, Anyway, she, she contacts me because she's in that chat and she just said to me, my gosh, God is absolutely speaking to me about this too. We need to engage the hearts and the minds of the young people. And I was like um, saying to her, you know, it's twofold, isn't it? Like we have to see a move of God in our unis and our schools. And we also, at the same time, need to be redefining the education system, the curriculum and all of those things that need to go hand in hand. And so in that moment, I thought, I'm going to just share with her what's happening in Asbury. Um, And so I start to tell her, just as a word of encouragement about moves of God. Um, So if you don't know about what's happening at Asbury um, University in Kentucky, so the 8th of February, completely student-led, 
Um, so all the leadership had left and the students, there was a few that just lingered. And in that lingering, they started to just, started to pray. The Holy Spirit just met them there. There was confession of sin. There was things that like, you know, just came up in that moment of awe, reverence, humility, a crying out. They, their hearts had been crying out. I've heard many of the testimonies, been tracking it a bit. Um, our kids said, we really, really prayed for a move of God and now we're seeing it. And so from that time, they've been meeting 24-7. So this worship, praise, prayer, deliverance, healing, um, constant, 24-7 worship happening, um, impromptu, as Todd said this morning, no celebrity-led, it's actually no name, no faces, it's a move of God, a profound move of, move of God in the 17 to 21 age bracket. Um, and as, um, you know, all revivals, I've, you know, I have researched revivals since I got saved. I was so like, you know, wanted to know about revivals and how they started and how they finished. And, um, and recently with the interns, we've been doing that again. And it's like, it's just reawakened that, you know, that passion about um, understanding of, you know, past revivals. Um, and this one is equally marked with that holy reverence. There's just an awe about what they're experienced there and that people's hearts are being awakened to the love, um, you know, joy, peace, all the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and now thousands from around the world are going to Asbury, traveling from, you know, for the ends of the earth to go and partake and see what's happening there, which is quite profound. Now, I was going to show... Todd does this all the time, doesn't he, Christina? So I was going to show the Tucker Carlson, um, Carlson um, clip, but I won't show it because Todd showed it in the morning, so a lot of you already saw, saw that. So if you do want to watch it, just watch it back on our Facebook page because um, they did play it this morning. Um, it's making the news. Like Fox News has picked it up. Um, all across America has picked it up. So we're seeing something that's significant. Um, but another thing that, yes, it's very exciting. Um, and a profound marking that I keep feeling is purity. There's something really pure about what's happening over there. Um, but I was tracking, so Daryl and I watched one of the testimonies on it the other day, is that Lee University, I think, was in Tennessee. Um, so it's now spreading. So it's spreading across, you know, the state's. Um, and other universities are seeing outbreaks. So this is not now confined to Asbury. This is a generation of young people that are now crying out across the universities, across the states, um, and they're crying out for a move of God. And so this guy who's the pastor at Lee University just said it's now breaking out in our university. We've got kids. Um, same, you know, similar story. It's not going to look this, exactly the same because, you know, it's not going to have the same DNA. But what I found super interesting was that Asbury in 1970 had a revival of sorts where 100, they were similar. 144 hours of praise and worship 24-7 happened in 1970. So fast forward to now and obviously, you know, outpouring again. Lee University, 1970, just weeks after Asbury, had exactly the same thing happen. 
So oh, I can feel that. And he is opening up these wells of revival. He is opening up the places where it's been um, stocked up and he's like, um, I don't have full confirmation of what's happening, but Dowell even mentions like a church I know on the Central Coast that's starting um, to see like outpouring up there in the hearts of the young people. And I won't say the name because I want to confirm the details of that before I say anything. But I do say this, that in about the year 2000, this same church had an outpouring with, within the young, young people. Because I remember being on, like I was probably a little bit earlier than that, but it was just after, because I got saved in 1998. And I remember in the year 2000 hearing about this church with the young people just you know, signs, wonders, gold dust, and, you know, and so interesting that these wells that have had a revival or outpouring or something of significance of the Lord moving in the past, he's unstopping all those wells. And so this, this season, guys, is so, so exciting. And so I go back to talking to this person on the phone and so I share, I start to share about Asbury and the presence of the Lord in the car was so thick that I actually broke into tears mid-conversation with my friend on the phone um, and she just said, oh my goodness, Belinda, I am getting, I've got goosebumps from head to toe. Um, this is profound. Um, and so it was a confirmation that God was saying, this is the invitation this manifestation of his presence was so thick in my car that I physically couldn't talk anymore and just burst into tears because the awe in the car and then the knowing you are doing something profound. You are pulling his, us into something, an invitation where um, we're going to see so many lives. This isn't just, yes, I feel like it will have a markings of that generation, the Gen Z but I, I just know that it far transcends that. We're going to see a move of God happen, happen here. Um, and the invitation is for all of us. And knowing that this next season is going to be absolutely the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers, which is part of a message I preached a, a couple of months ago about the spirit of Elijah. This is all, they're all connected. This is what he's saying if we grab a hold of it. And then I had, um, I've had one of the interns, um, he's a um, great steward and champion of revival and is like, yeah, just has such a heart um, for revival. Jeff asked very, very question, good questions in his internship. And anyway, I remember him just asking questions, um, a question about like this atmospheric revival that we know um, that we're going to come into, that there's going to be such the presence, like, you know, a Charles Finney or a Hebrides or those, you know, those um, revivals that we've seen in the past that it was like the tangible, weighty presence, like that fell in my car that day that would, you know, overshadow parts of our state um, and he was asking about that, like, how does that stay, you know, how do we sustain that? What does that look like? And you know what? We are in a very different place to some of these revivals of the past. And there's a couple of reasons to that, I believe, is that we have had 
so many different revivals that in each of those revivals you can feel the substance of what God wanted to bring as a revelation. So you had the Father heart, you've had grace, you've had like um, signs, wonders, healings, um, you've had revelations of the fear of the Lord. And so what it's done over the generations for us is actually now we have a fuller picture of revelation that they didn't have back in some of those revivals of old. And so you study revival history and we have the honour to be born into such a time that there's been so many revelations along the way of parts of his nature and character being added unto the body, the prophetic, the gift of tongues, like things that we take for granted, the apostolic, which I move into now is that we are also poised um, for reformation this time. This is different to just revival because the conditions right now are ripe for reformation. And when we say reformation, the action or process of reforming an institutional practice. So we are ripe for this to be happening at the same time. So revival of the hearts, but reformation of the systems and practices um, because God led us in these last couple of years to have an understanding of the seven mountains of the Lord. So when we have an understanding of of government and have an understanding of, um, you know, being led into these places, so for example, like one of the main ones obviously has been around government for us, is that we now sit in that place Within, um, within, a, within a party, and we are praying and establishing candidates who are righteous men and women of God, and even those that don't know him yet, still calling them in as people that are righteous, will make righteous decisions, is, and the surrounding you know, structures and network around that, is that actually God is setting these things up in right order so that reformation this time can happen. So it's not just a revival of the hearts and then like, now what? Revival of the hearts so this state can be governed well. So, because I said, I said to, <laughs> there's probably a lot of people who have heard me say this. It's all well and good for us to have all the candidates ready to go to be elected in this ne- next election or the, you know, the one, the one after that. But the reality is if God doesn't get a hold of the voters' hearts, you still won't have the, the level that, um, of how he's able to move. And so I always have known that these things have to be happening at the same time, that we're setting up structures and governance so that we are ready and poised for the Reformation to take place so that we can bring this state back onto the fullness of scroll because you then have the seven mountains that we are engaging with knowing that our place is to govern. So even um, when I say it's our job, you know, when I'm talking about the church, it's like it's you and I. It's, you know, everyone in this room has a place um, to step into to take responsibility. We're mandated to actually govern 
this state, this nation. And this isn't me trying to like pitch it to, oh gosh, that's beyond Metron. No, it isn't. Because we're all called to sit and govern no matter what area you're called into. And whether you're in the business mountain or the religious mountain or arts and entertainment, whatever it is, wherever you, your job is, that your place is to sit and govern. And he absolutely is set this up in the right order. Because now the, the revived hearts will get to sit and govern this state so it can come into the fullness of who she was created to be. And that just gives me such great excitement to just see what's that transformation going to look like? That we're going to see things that we've never seen before. I mean, I, I've been a part and seen lots of revivals, but I've never been a part of history where the revival is going to come so atmospherically that we're going to see more than we've ever seen, more radicals than we've ever seen, and that we have been given the keys from heaven, the strategies and the blueprints to also know how to land it. He is going to have for himself within the education mountain, within the government mountain, a place to land. Because if we don't establish ourselves in the mountain at the same time as having revival in our hearts, then he can't land to actually change governmentally the, the things for outpouring. Because it says in Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous increase or rule is another um, a version of it, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. This is what is establishing for the, for the righteous to increase and rule and the people are absolutely going to rejoice. This state is absolutely set up right now. Poised for an incredible, not just revived hearts, but reformation for that system to be changed. And do you know, I, Marissa probably did that one ages ago, but it's the first time I've seen it. It's new. That's profound. Okay, that's profound. Right, so, <laughs> wow. Okay, this, this, this is another prophetic word that Okay, she searched for it just before the service. And so that is the word of the Lord. So in before we moved here, so this is years before I moved here, um, we were praying for Finney and Izzy because we were at Jubilee. We were praying for Finney and Izzy who were coming and they were actually running one of your camps. Wow, camps. Yeah, anyway, so running a camp for Field of Dreams up at the block, the coldest place they said they'd ever visited on earth. Um, and I go into this encounter. So I didn't know Adelaide at all. I think I'd been there once. And the, so instead of a mountain, it was actually a city. And it was the city of Adelaide. And it looked exactly like that with slightly more purples through it. So it was blues and purples. And it came down. And look, you know, I have greater understanding now than, you know, Zion and all the rest of it. So I have a better understanding. But back then I was... I was kind of like, wow, what exactly is that? And God said, this is what Adelaide's, like it was a prophetic word over Adelaide that she was like coming out of heaven and it was being replicated on earth exactly as this picture was. So, so this, today I came into worship and I was like, I can't believe that that's up there today. And then I thought, gosh, can't believe I've missed it, not seen that one. Now I know why, because it's the first time it's been up there. But, 
But this is, again, it's a prophetic sign. A prophetic sign that is like what I saw in the spirit was him saying, he spoke, this is why we ended, part of the reason we ended up here. He said to me, this is a prototype city. That the city of Adelaide was a prototype for the things of this um, nation and that she was a forerunner and it literally was coming out of heaven and everything of the city that was upside down, so it came down almost upside down and then it was exact replica like this on earth in this city. And so this is the invitation. I mean, Marissa, I didn't speak to Marissa. This is, this is what the Lord is saying as a reminder that this was the prophetic word over this state about what she's called to. And so this is a word for every one of us. This isn't like, okay, this is for someone else. This is your wake up to say, I am going to engage that place of worship, seeking him um, in that worshiping in spirit and truth. And then when we do that, expect that he's going to use you to work in and through you to actually establish this. This is the end goal. This, the mountain of the Lord being replicated here on earth. And so I'm just ex- excited. Uh, uh, good job, Marissa. Um, <laughs> It's the perfect conditions. So every time you look around and the pressure and, you know, the bad news reports and all the things that are just so twisted and Leviathan and all the rest of it, equally rejoice that place of thankfulness of what he's done in and through you, what he's about to do in and through you, but just thankfulness of just who he is. I mean, you can't make this up. Like this... This is a prophetic word that we have to pick up and take up and go, this, this is ours. It's for everyone in this room to go, I'm going to engage this. Um, and not by um, striving. This, this is going to be something that is truly atmospheric. I absolutely believe that. You know, like, you can't make this stuff up. Like we're going to Hebrides this year. Um, and just, you know, that's what we've known for a long, long time. Like the things, some of the things that poured out there and just people getting saved on the street, like expect it. It's not for down the track, but it will be for down the track if we don't engage it as you being part of the solution to bringing that. The more you drink the living water, the more you represent the living water, the more you're able to give of the living water the more you're able to find the blueprints and solutions that he's looking for, for a place to land for reformation to come. So that concludes, as Asher slams the door. Um, Asher's just basically said, the end. Um, so if you want to, I don't know whether you've got communion there. Yep, communion. We have some pads.
Father, I just pray as we take this communion today, would you help us to know how to worship in spirit and in truth? God, would you remove from our hearts any word of a lie that we are believing about you? Would you bring to mind the things um, that don't speak a good report of who you are? And God, would you just replace it with that, the truth, the truth of your goodness, the truth of your love, your tenderness, your kindness, your power, your ability to transform and heal. God, as we take communion, we also just ask that you would show us out of that place of worship of who you are, of how you want us to represent you in this next season. God, we've cried out for more and we cry out again for a move like no other. We give you permission to move outside our boundaries of thinking how you need to move. And God, we give you permission to break on in. For the sake of your kingdom coming here in this state, God. And we thank you for every, not just young person, but everyone in this generation currently living that doesn't know you yet. God, we call them in to drink from the living water. We thank you, God, that you have set the prime perfect conditions for people's hearts to be so open to you. And we call them in. We call them in like the swarm of dragonflies, God. We call them into your kingdom. And we thank you, Father, for something to be so transformative. We thank you, Father, that you would move just from revived hearts, that you would move into that place of reformation in the state. That we would see those mountains transformed by your kingdom coming. as you take the communion and just offer up that place of thanks that opens up your heart to worship Him in spirit and truth. So take your communion.